Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Go For It. I am your host, Paul Gannon. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. Of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, your number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. You can send messages to the show first at the chat room, on the chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan, and secondly on Twitter at goforitgan, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. And while you're there on Twitter at G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T, give me a follow at goforitgan. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Miami Dolphins defensive back Michael Thomas, you remember Michael Thomas. Yes, that Michael Thomas who uh, had that improbable interception against Tom Brady. And at that time, the Dolphins were at 8-6. Eight, eight and six, And at that time, the Dolphins controlled their own destiny and were on their way seem, seemingly to the playoffs after, you know, you figure you had the Bills and then the Jets the final two games of the season. So the Dolphins seemingly were on their way to the playoffs. Ultimately, they lost the final two games. Ultimately, they didn't make the playoffs. But we're going to talk to Michael Thomas. I mean, and talk about us, we're, to, we're going to ask him, where is that Brady ball? Where Where is it? Is it in a special place? I mean, because it was almost like a fairy tale type situation, but we're going to talk to Michael Thomas. Also, we're going to bring in our Hall of Famer, Willie Rofe. Willie's going to talk about his Saints, talk about the, the rest of the playoffs uh, this weekend, the divisional round of the playoffs. I mean, like I always said this, um, the first two weeks of the playoffs are always the best time. They're always the best time the first two weeks of the playoffs because you, you have a game on Saturday, you have the games on Saturday and Sunday, and to me that's what makes it great. I mean, you have a lot of football and in a divisional round. You usually have the big boys playing at this point. All the top seeds who were sitting out are now playing the big boys, if you will. But as we all know, in the last three years, the ultimate big boy, the Super Bowl winner, has come from this uh, last week's wild card round. So we'll see, we'll see. But anyway, we're going to talk to Willie about all those things. We're going to get to the Hall of Fame situation, Baseball Hall of Fame, and some of the uh, things going on with that. Also, we're going to touch on J.R. Smith. We're going to get to that as well. We've got a lot to get to today, and we're going to make sure we get it. We're, we were going to start with the playoffs, but we're, also, we're going to start now. At one point today, we, the goal on the rundown was to start with the playoffs, but now we're at the start. We're breaking news. Alex Rodriguez. Suspended for the entire 2014 season. The arbitrator has made his ruling. A-Rod suspended for the entire season. The number actually gets reduced because at one point it was 211 games. It was supposed to be the rest of last season into this season, but it did get reduced, and ultimately he got 162 games. 162 games. And A-Rod, at this point, I mean... Obviously, he's going to miss and lose out on $25 million in salary. $25 million. $25 million. 
$25 million. And <clears throat> you look at Alex Rodriguez, because of a, a little loophole in the suspension, he is allowed to participate in spring training. He is allowed to participate in spring training. And one of the ways he'll be allowed to do that is he's, his argument is that he will be able to receive an injunction to stop the suspension, and he will be able. And his belief is thus he will be able to play, and thus he should prepare for the season. So we'll see. But it, you look at the situation now, and if you're Alex Rodriguez, obviously you're going to keep going with this whole battle. You probably find a way. Uh, he said that actually not find a way. He said he's going to try to go to federal court. He's going to try to take this to federal court, and his statement is, and as his, spoke, as his spokesperson said, they're calling the suspension inconsistent, false, and on wholly unreliable testimony, and I, I guess they're referring to Anthony Bosch and his testimony related to this whole situation. It should be interesting what happens here with Alex Rodriguez. Again, I don't blame the guy for taking this all the way to the end. I don't blame this guy for fighting this all the way to the end. Why would he not fight this all the way to the end? I mean, he would be foolish not to. I mean, when he comes back, you know, in July he'd be 40. The following year he'll be 40. So you're missing out on a lot of baseball, but I also would say why not continue to fight this? And also, even if you do miss out, on $25 million, which is a lot of millions of dollars, you still have an opportunity to earn the final $54 million left on your contract. So you have an opportunity to earn the final $54 million on your contract. So in my mind, it would make sense for you to try to come back on some level. If it doesn't work out for you in terms of all the things that happen, you know, I mean, if, if you even are a shell of yourself, why not come back? The Yankees are going to have to pay you, so why not come back? Why not? But, I mean, let's be real. Alex Rodriguez is probably guilty of sin. Alex Rodriguez probably has juiced. Alex Rodriguez has probably done all these things. Probably has done all these things. Juiced, tried to obstruct justice. He's probably done all these things probably done all these things. But the bottom line is this. If you're Alex Rodriguez, you have, and I've said this before, you have nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. At all. So I don't blame Alex Rodriguez for fighting this tooth and nail until the end because I would do the same. I would fight this tooth and nail until the end. And Alex Rodriguez is doing that. He's going to fight this tooth and nail until the end. And we'll see what happens at the end with Alex Rodriguez. Will he fight this? He's going to fight it in federal court, but will he win in federal court? Should be interesting to see if that happens. When we come back, when we come back, we're going to be joined by the guy who made a name for himself a few weeks back by intercepting the great Tom Brady. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Michael Thomas, and we're going to ask him, where is that Brady ball? You're listening to Go Forward and Block Talk Radio. 
Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean see anything in the playoffs, time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was, trying to throw uh, you know you, I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You're, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around to. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's not Robbie. That's called brother. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> and we're back. And we're going to bring in a guy now. You know, this guy, you, you would think almost it was like a Disney movie, what, what you saw a few weeks back, uh, the Patriots and the Miami Dolphins. This is a guy coming off a practice squad of the 49ers to the Dolphins. This is a guy who almost missed the call to go to the Dolphins. I mean, it's just. So improbable. This is a guy that didn't take any defensive reps, but found a way to get into the ball game. And this was the guy who found a way to make a big play in a big time situation. Let's bring him in now. Defensive back for the Miami Dolphins, Michael Thomas. Michael, how are you, man? Hey, hey Paul, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, doing man. Well. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. Now, Mike, let's let's. Get, I want to talk. About, I want to start with the playoffs now. And you have intimate knowledge of the 49ers as you were on their practice squad. You look at this team. They beat the Packers last week. You have the situation. Kaepernick is playing well. Michael Crabtree is back. That helps out the situation. You know a lot about this team. What are you seeing from the 49ers at this point? Uh, I just see a team that uh, battled adversity all year. You know, had a bunch of guys going down. Had a bunch of guys out with injury. But now you see a team that's gelling at the right time when you need to gel. Late in the season, it's for the playoffs. You know, we got a bunch of guys, Crabtree, coming back. Uh, you know, a bunch of guys starting to play well together. And, I mean, this is a time where great teams need to gel. They want to make a, a playoff run and try to get to the Super Bowl, and that's exactly where the 49ers are right now. Looking at this Niners team, they are playing the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers did beat the Niners in the regular season in San Francisco. You were a part of the Niners practice squad at that particular time. In that game, Crabtree was not there. Vernon Davis left a little early in that game. But all in all, how do you see the rematch playing out in the divisional round in Carolina? Oh, I definitely see Coach Harbaugh having that team preparing uh, just, to, just to go out there and play their game. Like, like you said, a bunch of guys weren't playing in that game. Crabtree wasn't there. Vernon was out. So those guys are going to be hungry. Those guys are going to be ready to go in. And just, you know, show, them, show the Panthers, show the rest of the nation how they really uh, play. And uh, I see the 49ers coming away with this win. I honestly don't see Harbaugh letting him lose twice to the same team in one year. Wow, wow. So you got the Niners today in Carolina. And not surprising, the Niners are the favorite going into this game. And what, as I said, you were on the practice squad with, with the Niners during that particular game in the regular season. What did the Panthers do to the Niners? Because they had a lot of success Against Kaepernick, they sacked him six times, held him to 91 yards passing. Definitely. Uh, their defense, their defense is really good. you got to give credit to them. They went out there and they played a, a, a great game. They they had a great game plan. They executed it. 
Uh, that's what I'm saying. I just don't see the 49ers going in with the same game plan and allowing that to happen again. You know, they, they I'm giving credit to the Carolina Panthers, but I think this time around the 49ers are going to be well prepared and ready to make plays all day but now that they have all their players back and healthy and ready to go. So when it's all said and done, do you see the Niners getting back to the Super Bowl? Yeah, they got to go through Seattle and, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, in Seattle. And I can't lie, that's my boy Richard Sherman. I went to uh, Stanford with him. That's my big bro. Okay. I can, you know, he's playing at a high level. But I see them going up there and winning. You know, that's going to be a tough game. All roads lead to Seattle, led by Richard Sherman, their defense, Earl Thomas. Uh, but I, I see I see San Fran going into Seattle doing the playoffs when it matters most in the divisional championship game, winning and getting back to the Super Bowl. So we're safe to assume that you believe the Seahawks will beat the Saints today. Yes, I do see the Saints. I mean, the Seahawks beating the Saints. <laughs> that is, that is that's what I'm going for. And I agree with you. I don't think I can't see the Saints going up to Seattle and beating the Seahawks. I can see the 49ers doing it. By the way, go to the AFC real quick. <laughs> <laughs> we can go to AFC real quick. Who do you see coming out of the AFC? We're not going to go through the game, but who do you see coming out of the AFC? Uh, it's going to be tough. It's going. I mean, obviously, I, I go, you know, play with Andrew Luck. But I feel like it's just going to come down to Denver and uh, New England in the AFC Championship game, and I think Denver's going to win. I think I think no. Peyton Manning is playing at a high level, and uh, okay. he's, he's going to lead that team to the uh, Super Bowl. Now, you talked about Andrew Luck, and, and he was one of your teammates in college. Looking at him and what he did last week, that's not surprising to you, is it? Oh, no. I, I wasn't surprised. I, was, I mean, I watched the whole game from uh, start to finish. So every time, the play that really reminded me of him in college, just willing his way, willing his team to win, was when the running back fumbled at the goal line. He just picked it up and pretty much walked in the end zone. I mean, that's Andrew. That's what he does. He finds a way to make plays. He finds a way to lead the team to victory. That's what he does. So to be honest, I'm rooting for him to win today and get to the Super Bowl. I just feel like Denver is going to be between Denver and New England. Well, you got you got a lot of rooting interest, man. Your rooting interest is all over the map. <laughs> hey, it's Stanford. Stanford. I, I pull for all my Stanford boys, man. I can't <laughs> lie to you. <laughs> We're talking to Dolphins defensive back Michael Thomas. And Michael, let's go to, to the season with the Dolphins now. After your heroics against Tom Brady and the Patriots, you guys were eight and six. You guys controlled your own destiny, and you guys had an opportunity to go to the playoffs. Ultimately, you would lose the final two games, and ultimately you would miss the playoffs. In your mind, what went wrong in those final two games? I didn't make enough plays. Offense, defense, special teams. We just didn't make enough plays. I mean, I can't can't really speak on anything other than that. You know, disappointing. You know, that's not the way we wanted to go out. Honestly, no one prepares to lose. No one prepares to get embarrassed like that, especially with the playoffs on the line. So it was just disappointing. But the bottom line is we just didn't make enough plays. Now, looking at the Dolphins, they had the whole situation, Jonathan Martin, Richie, Incognito. You came after that. But as a whole, when you came to the Dolphins, did you get the sense that the team as a whole moved past all that? Yeah, I I could tell that they had already, like, came together as a team and it was like, you know, we're going to just put our heads down and work and, like, not let that bother us. So by the time I came in, you know, that was already implemented. Even when they found out that I was from Stanford, you know, there was no that, like, there was no, like, oh, here we go again. You know, there was nothing like that. It was just everybody was focused on trying to win that Patriots game. And so that made it easy for me to just be focused and not worry about the situation. You know, it was just everybody was focused on their job. Everybody was focused on football. So 
definitely that was the mindset when I came to the uh, locker room, just focusing on football. Did you have a relationship with Jonathan Martin at all? Oh, yeah. He was like my best friend, one of my best friends at Stanford. He was a great teammate, you know, just like any other teammate I've ever had. You know, you could say he was a little reserved at times, you know, but that was just John. You know, that was Moose. His nickname was Moose, and uh, Stanford, that's what we called him. You know, that was just Moose. Okay, sometimes he's quiet. But, right. no, nah, he was like any other teammate I ever had, and he was definitely one of my best friends at Stanford. Now, have you spoke to him at all since then, since the whole incident? Yeah, definitely. I spoke to him when everything was first coming out, just as a friend, not even from a football standpoint, okay. just making sure that he was all right. Then right. since since then, you know, when I first got word that Miami was picking me up, he was one of the first people I text, uh, uh, and he was congratulating me. You know, he was happy for me that I was getting my, finally getting my opportunity. After the Patriots game, he was hyped that the uh, one, the Dolphins won, and two, that, you know, I made the play, so he was hyped about that. Then, uh I actually talked to him more recently, uh, like a couple weeks ago. He's about to get ready to go back to school at Stanford, like to finish up his degree. So, you know, I talk okay. to him on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking to Dolphins defensive back Michael Thomas. And, Michael, I know you told the story numerous numerous times, but let's talk about how close you were to actually missing the opportunity to play with the Dolphins. Talk about that. <laughs> yeah, man, it's crazy. It was a, the, the night prior on the day prior, it was a must-win situation for the 49ers, and they were playing against the Seahawks. So they ended up winning the game. You know, the team is happy. Everybody's out celebrating. I had my sister out. I wasn't sure I get time. We were out celebrating anyway. That next day, that next morning, normally I wake up to go lift early in the morning and meet with my coach and just trying to see what could I do to get better as a player. Well, that particular morning I decided, you know, you know what, I'm going to sleep in a little bit. You know, I'll go in the afternoon. So it's around 10 o'clock, and I finally decide to roll around and look at my phone, and I see about four missed calls, a bunch of text messages from my fiance Gloria, and my agent, Christina Phillips. They're like, wake up. A team is trying to claim you. So I yeah. hurry up. I call my agent back, and she was like, yes, the Dolphins are ready to claim you, but if you don't tell me in these next 30 minutes, you know, to tell them that you want to go, they're going to move on to the next guy. So literally, if I would have never rolled over and looked at my phone, like, in those next 30 minutes, like my opportunity would have passed. Wow. So, uh, I mean, it's it's almost like destiny. I mean, it's it's, just weird how life is sometimes, and that particular story uh, kind of epitomizes that. I mean, you look at it now, the whole situation with with the Brady situation, you getting that pick and him going after you. At this point in time, i got to ask, where is the ball? Where is that ball? <laughs> the ball is in the second place. It's, at, uh, it's actually at my mom's house. Like, I haven't I haven't decided exactly what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to put it in a frame or, or something like that, but it's just sitting at my mom's house right now. <laughs> <laughs> and going into that game, you had no reps? Leading up to that game, you had no defensive reps, and you were prepared just to play special teams. Ultimately, you got pressed into duty. You knew Brady was coming your way. Yeah, zero reps all week. You know, wasn't prepared, wasn't preparing to play uh, on defense at all, especially now a two-minute situation. The team wasn't, you know, uh, depending on me to play any defensive reps. So, but that's that's just football, you know. If any if guys go down, it has to be the next guy up. Thank God that, you know, I, while I was waiting on practice squad for an opportunity, you know, I was preparing. I was constantly working on my craft, uh, right. you know, preparing just in case I ever got that opportunity. So when I did, when you know those guys went down and they said, "Well, Mike, you are the next guy up," you know, you got to go in and play. 
I just reverted back to techniques that I had learned over the years of playing football, you know, and I was just out there. Literally, that's all I was doing. I was just out there playing football. I was trusting my teammates, uh, my safeties. They were giving me the calls, giving me the signals, the adjustments on the fly, you know, and I was just out there playing. Now, how well did you know the signals? And how, do, how well did you know uh, the calls at that point? At that point, I knew the defense. I had been cramming all week with our assistant DB coach, Blue Adams. I had been pretty much cramming like, like paying for a test for a final examination. So okay. I, knew, I knew the defense. You know, cover three is cover three. Man is man. Cover two is cover two. But the signals, I, I didn't know the signals. So I, I honestly needed the safeties to get the call from the sideline and then tell me what the play was. So once they told me what the play was, I was fine. But all the while, Tom Brady was doing a hurry-up offense. So it was like happening on the fly. So, you know, just imagine how crazy that's going. But definitely, if it wasn't for my safety, I wouldn't have been in those positions to make those plays. Were you like, I hope he doesn't go after me? Oh, <laughs> uh, no. <nah>, I mean, <laughs> you know it. Like, come on. We, it was me and another uh, rookie that they drafted, Will Davis, in because two guys, two of our starting corners got hurt. Both of us knew what the situation was. We're like, all right, it's too many situations for the game. He's coming at us. So it's just like, you know what, I'm going to do what I got to do to make my plays. You know, like I'm going to make sure I'm lined up. You know, my, my team depended on me. I didn't care. At that point, really, I, I didn't care who was that quarterback. I didn't care who, what receiver I was lined up against. I just wanted to do my job for my teammates. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking to Dolphins defensive, Dolphins defensive back. Michael Thomas, and Michael, one thing I heard about you, and I heard some 49ers say this about you, is your work ethic and how hard you work. Talk about the work ethic of Michael Thomas. Definitely. I mean, when, you, when you're when you on the practice squad, you know, especially for two years, but if you ever get that taste of, like, not going, not being drafted, not making a team's actual roster, you know, you get a taste of having football taken away from you. You know, it could be your last time, you know, ever putting on pads. Like, you, you, you risk the opportunity the chance of not being able to play the game anymore. So if uh, the requirement was for me to do like two lifts a week as a practice squad player, I'd make sure I do four. You know, once practice okay. was over with, I'd make sure I'd still do the actual defensive reps, you know, even if it's just by myself just going over footwork, just in case I ever got that opportunity to play. You know, I was just trying to stay prepared just in case I ever got that opportunity. So, I think, like I said, I thank God for my preparation and actually having that work that because I really feel it prepared me for when I got my opportunity in uh, in in Miami. Now, ultimately, you have an opportunity now to battle for a roster, roster spot in Miami next season. What do you feel like you need to do to become a fixture on an NFL roster? Uh, definitely got to keep working. Got to keep improving and building off of what I showed uh, in, in these, these last two games of the season. Uh, Definitely just, you know, just just keep working, constantly keep working on my craft. Uh, do more footwork, you know, just just keep doing ball drills, trying to make sure I can keep catching the ball, uh, be dominant on special teams, just constantly outworking the next man, you know, to show them why I should be on the field other than the next man. But that's it, just constantly working, not being complacent. So have you started back in terms of working and working out and getting yourself prepared for next season? Uh, definitely. You know, a lot of guys take, you know, it's this off season. They want to take time to, uh, you know, go on vacations or, you know, just relax. You know, it's a long season. They want to give their bodies a chance to heal, want to relax. Honestly, with my mindset and, you know, I didn't really play a whole season. I only played three games. You know, I'm just like, okay, I just got to keep working. So, yeah, I, I really haven't taken a break. I am spending time with my family. I'm getting married this off season to my uh, long-time fiance, Gloria. Uh, 
But other than that, no, nah, I'm just I'm just working. That's it. You gonna have you gonna have a, a big time wedding? Uh, not big time. There's gonna be a lot of a lot of a lot of NFL players, a lot of Stanford players there, but it won't be too big. Okay, big enough. Big enough. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> we're we're talking to Dolphins DB Michael Thomas and, and Michael. Going back to the Brady game and that interception. It's been a month since that whole thing happened. Looking back on that situation, was that your greatest moment in sports? Uh, to this day, yes. I, I would like to think that, you know, I'm going to have a lot more going for me. I've had great memories at Stanford, you know, going to the Super Bowl with the 49ers as a player. Well, play, you know, that was, that was great for me. But definitely, personally, that was probably like the biggest moment I've had so far. So I mean, talk- I'm, I'm I'm taking it in. I'm embracing it. I'm embracing it. It still really hasn't hit me yet, <laughs> but you know, it's 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 definitely something I'll remember forever. And you look at look back on that whole moment. It was almost like a a fairy tale type situation. I was almost waiting for Mickey Mouse or something, somebody to show up. I mean, it was it was a fairy tale type of situation. It's the stuff that movies are made of. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's, it definitely had a fairy tale feel to it, but, you know, I just feel blessed. That's the word I keep using. That's how I feel, you know, blessed for the opportunity, blessed to, uh, you know, actually have it in that way, actually have the game in that way. So I just want to keep taking advantage of my opportunity. Now, I want to, real quickly, I want to go back talking about the 49ers and you were on their practice squad and you went to the Super Bowl. I've always contended that, the 49ers were the better team than the Baltimore Ravens last season, and I thought they were going to win that particular football game. Do you believe it's been a year? You're a year removed from it, but do you believe that the 49ers were the better team last season? Um, I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say the 49ers had a very, very talented team. I felt like the 49ers could have won that Super Bowl, but to say the better team didn't win, you know, that's that's taking away credit from the Baltimore Ravens. Okay. All right. Yeah, so all I'm going to say is that if, you know, the 49ers just didn't make enough plays, and they say the same thing, too, didn't make enough plays in the first half. We make at least if – we, if we get at least one of those plays back, we're Super Bowl champions. But, you know, we got to play better in that first half. So I can't, I can't sit up here and say, yeah, the better team didn't win the Super Bowl. I can't say that. Now, Michael, you are on Twitter. Where can fans connect with you on Twitter? Oh, yeah, they go – they get on Twitter, they go to uh, – uh, Michael Thirty One Thomas. Uh, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. At Michael Thirty One Thomas. You know, they can hit me up on Twitter. I respond to my fans, so uh, you know, definitely, I'm looking for them. Hit me up on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Congrats on your wedding coming up, and ho- hope all that works out for you. And uh, let's do this again. All right, thank you, Paul. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to you. Take care. All right, take care. Michael Thomas, defensive back for the Miami Dolphins. What an incredible story that Michael Thomas has. I mean, that's just a, it was an amazing story, um, how the whole thing came about in that whole situation, how he, he was able, when his number was called, he was able to make a play. He was able to make a play, and he made a play, and ultimately two plays, knocked down the ball, before the pick, and, and then ultimately he got the pick, and that sealed the deal for the Miami Dolphins. And you thought at that point, with the Dolphins 8-6 and, and, and all that great excitement coming off that particular victory, that the Dolphins were, were on their way to possibly going to the playoffs. I mean, they controlled their own destiny at that point, and ultimately it fell apart. 
Ultimately, Jeff Ireland will lose his job. Well, agreed. They both mutually agreed to separate. But ultimately, you know, you look at the Dolphins now and, and a team that probably should have been in the playoffs or could have been in the playoffs. And well, we have the and, and winning in the National Football League is hard. But we have the Bills and Jets. Those are two football games you probably should win. And ultimately, uh, they didn't win. And ultimately, they would not make the playoffs. But Michael Thomas, incredible year for him, and hopefully he can uh, use that as momentum going into the next season and and be a fixture on the NFL roster and continue to make big-time plays in big-time situations. We have the NFL playoffs today. NFL playoffs get started today, divisional round. Looking back, before we go to this week, I want to look back to last week and, and what we saw last week. And, you know, me being an Eagles fan, I was very disappointed by what happened last week. But anyway, I want to start with New Orleans. Well, actually, I want to yeah, I'll start with New Orleans and Philadelphia. I look at that particular football game, and that was a game I said last week that the team that ran the ball better was going to be the team that won the game. And I didn't expect 180-plus yards from the New Orleans rushing attack, Mark Ingram and Kyrie Robinson. I didn't expect that. That was a surprise to me. That was, a, that was something that came uh, – that was the unknown to me. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect 180 yards out of the rushing game. And I didn't expect the Eagles to, to rush for so little yards. I mean, I expected the Eagles to rush for a little better than they did last uh, last week. I thought they would rush. Uh, you know, I, I, didn't, I thought Shady McCoy would have a better day. I mean, you're talking about a Saints team that's 19th against the run, the Eagles team that's first against the run. So you thought that the Eagles would be the team that would run the ball better in that particular situation, in that particular game. But as it turned out, the Saints were the team that ran the ball better. I mean, LaShawn McCoy, 21 carries, 77 yards. You expected a little more out of Shady, but it didn't happen. And then you look at the the New Orleans Saints, Ingram, 97 yards, almost five yards a carry, over five yards a carry. Kyrie Robinson, over five yards a carry. Sproles. Seven yards a carry. Only four. He only had four carries, and Robinson only had eight carries. But Ingram had 18 carries as a total, as a whole. They toted the rock minus Drew Brees 30 times, minus Drew Brees and minus the reverse to Kenny Stills. They ran the ball 30 times for 185 yards, which is five yards per carry. So they were able to run the ball, and in that final drive. You saw it. the Eagles made a good play. Uh, made it, they, you had the Saints who started at midfield, and then you had the Eagles who made a play and made it second and 11, and Kyrie Robinson ran for 11 yards, gave the Saints the first down, and the Saints were in business at that point. And, and it's very difficult, you know, when you have the Saints, a Saints team and a team that really only had to get 20, 25 yards to put themselves in a field goal position. It's very difficult for any defense to stop that. But Drew Brees wasn't really all that impressive. I mean, I didn't see anything from Drew Brees that I was ultra-impressed by. He did throw two picks in that first half. In that second half, he played much better, but ended the game with 250 yards and one touchdown. But it wasn't a big-time performance out of Drew Brees. And the Eagles, they played a lot of nickel in that game, and so <clears throat> they gave Saints the opportunity to run the ball. And you figure <clears throat> with Pierre Thomas out and with him not being in there that the Saints – would not really run the ball as much as they did, but they committed to it 31 times. 
30 times they committed to the run game with their running backs, Sproles, Robinson, and Ingram. 30 times they committed. They committed to the running game, and they had success. And ultimately, that commitment to the run game helped the Saints win that particular football game. This was a Saints team that had struggles on the road, but also a Saints team that you look at them, even with their road struggles, and you figure road struggles plus the way the Eagles was playing at that point, that there's no way the Saints would go into Philadelphia and win that particular football game. Coupled with that, Drew Brees threw two picks, so now you have two turnovers for the Saints and no turnovers for the Eagles. So with all that being said, I think if most people would have said, okay, Jimmy Graham wasn't a big-time factor in the game, only three catches for 44 yards. Okay, Drew Brees throws two picks and pass for 250 yards, you look at those two numbers and you probably would say the Philadelphia Eagles win that ball game. But the Saints did a great job on the Eagles. I mean, limited Nick Foles to 195 yards and two touchdowns, and they did a great job of limiting LaShawn McCoy, holding him to 77 yards and less than four yards of carry. And they also did a good job of holding down their wide receivers, their big wide receiver, Deshaun Jackson, three catches for 53 yards. But you look at that. And once Keenan Lewis went out of the game, it was almost like just Deshaun Jackson got to get out of jail free card, and he, he was able to make some plays with when Keenan Lewis was not in the game. But when Keenan Lewis was in that game, Keenan Lewis did a good job of, of shutting down Deshaun Jackson. Keenan Lewis did a good job of playing defense against Deshaun Jackson. Give Keenan Lewis a lot of credit. Ultimately, he will lead the game with a concussion. But, again, Keenan Lewis did a good job against Deshaun Jackson, and when he went out, it was almost like Deshaun Jackson had to get out of jail free card, and he was able to make some plays, but not enough as ultimately the Saints will win that game. And also, you got to look at that other game on Wild Card Weekend on Saturday, Andrew Luck and the Colts. I mean, that was a crazy, crazy football game. It didn't get no crazier than that particular football game. And <clears throat> you're watching that game, and you're saying to yourself, as me personally, as I watch that game, this game is, is, is turning into what? It's turning right for the Kansas City Chiefs. They're getting turnovers. They're capitalizing on turnovers. They're having short fields. And they're scoring. Alex Smith is having success. I mean, almost 400 yards passing, 378 and four touchdowns. Everything that you ever wanted. If you're a Chiefs, Chiefs fan, you got everything that you ever wanted as a Chiefs fan, you got. Three picks on Andrew Luck. Picked him off three times, so you're opportunistic on defense. You cause a fumble, so you get four turnovers. You force four turnovers. As a football team, you force four turnovers against a team more often than not. You're going to win that game. You're going to win that game especially when the other team only turns it over one time. But you look at the Chiefs, 38-10. to 38-10. At that point, you see 38-10, to 10, and you're saying to yourself, this football game is over. Even 31-10, to 10, going into halftime, you're figuring, okay, this is done. This is done. But guess what? T.J., T.Y. Hilton. And the Colts kept pushing. Andrew Luck kept pushing. It was a magical situation. It was a magical game. Magical. Because 
These guys kept pushing. Andrew Luck and just it had to be magic. I mean, the whole Andrew Luck as a as Michael uh, appointed to from the Denver, not the Denver Broncos. Michael Thomas, who played for the Miami Dolphins, who played for the Miami Dolphins, as he pointed to as he just joined us, he was a, a former teammate of Andrew Luck at Stanford. He's seen this before. He's seen this magic. He's seen this Andrew Luck magic. And it was magical. And as you're watching the game, you're saying if the the Chiefs don't score, if the Chiefs don't score points, if the Chiefs don't score some more points, they're going to be in trouble here because Andrew Luck was on the roll. And the biggest play that came, obviously, was the Robert Mathis strip sack. That was big. That was a big part of the game. That was a big part of the game. That turned it. Because at that point, at that point, you know, you're up still 38 to 17. But you get the sack, you get the fumble, and you get a short field, and ultimately you cash in. So now it becomes 38 to 24. And then with the Chiefs, they kept kicking field goals. Suck up 42-yarder in the third quarter. Suck up another 44-yarder, 43-yarder, I should say, in the fourth quarter. They kept kicking field goals. You can't keep kicking field goals. <clears throat> if you cash in at least once, you might, you probably won, win that game. If you cash in with a touchdown once, you at least have an opportunity to go over time and probably win that game. They couldn't cash in. Injuries didn't help. I mean, losing a Brandon Flowers, losing a Justin Houston on that final drive where T.Y. Hilton split the defenders and got the big touchdown. That didn't help losing a Jamal Charles to a concussion. Those things didn't help. They didn't help. But you got to look at it. You look at the Chiefs. If you lose a 28-point lead, it can't feel good in the third quarter of a playoff game. It can't feel good, especially with the way that defense has played for the most part throughout the course of this season. I mean, it's similar to what we saw back in 1992 when the Bills and the Houston Oilers and the Houston Oilers blow a 32-point a, a lead in the third quarter. You can't blow 32, 28-point leads in the National Football League, especially in the playoffs. Can't do it. You can't do it. So they're going to have a long offseason thinking about what happened. A long offseason thinking about what happened. The Chiefs, as an organization, has not won have not won a playoff game in 20 years. Last time they won a playoff game was against the Houston Oilers. And they're gone. They're defunct. They don't even exist anymore. They're the Titans now. But it's just a tough situation. It's a tough situation. I mean, even if you get that fumble recovery when where the ball bounces into Andrew Luck's hand and he – totes it into the end zone. I mean, even if you, you 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 get that stop there or recover that fumble, you probably win that game. You should win that game. It's no excuse. 
there was some poor clock management down the stretch in that football game with Andy Reid. And as an Eagles fan, I've seen it before. Uh, so, you, I mean, two bad timeouts they had down the stretch in that game. And it's just something you can't have that. You can't have that. And those two timeouts cost them because they had no no way to stop the clock near the end of that ball game. No way to stop the clock. You know, you figure if you get that fumble recovery, you're about 10 minutes left in that game, it still would be 41 to 31. You still had a 10-point lead. That changes things. But that fumble recovery by Andrew Luck and ultimately that touchdown by Andrew Luck was big. And that changed the course of that game. And ultimately, you look at it, the Colts were able to get it done. And, and I'll say this, Andrew Luck can't throw three interceptions today against Brady and the Patriots and expect to win. Can't expect, can't, can't expect that to happen. But one thing I'll say about Andrew Luck and those Colts, <laughs> Andrew Luck is, is big time. He's a, we, we, everybody's talked about the greatest prospect since John Elway, and he's big time. He's absolutely big time. And, and you know, he, he was big in that game. And he kept fighting. He kept coming. He kept coming. And he kept coming. He kept coming. And he refused to lose. He refused to lose in that particular football game. And that team as a whole refused to lose. Give the Colts a lot of credit. Give the Colts a lot of credit. And we'll see if they can keep that magic going today against Brady and the Patriots. And that should be... Very interesting. I also want to go real quickly now to the Bengals and that whole situation, you know. Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. I had the Bengals going to the Super Bowl in my but I, I, I said the key to the Bengals is Andy Dalton and his play in the playoffs. Well Andy Dalton channeled his inner Tony Romo last week. Two interceptions, a fumble, and he again Comes up small in the playoffs. Comes up small again in the playoffs. You can't have that. You can't have that. And two interceptions, a fumble, took three sacks in that second half. It's just unacceptable. It's just flat out unacceptable for Andy Dalton as a quarterback. As a franchise guy, you can't have that. And I know a lot of people are calling for Marvin Lewis's job. A lot of people are calling for Marvin Lewis's job. And I say this. I'll give Marvin one more chance, I think. But I will say this. If they fail to make the playoffs or if they go to playoffs and lose in the first round, there is no way Marvin Lewis can come back. But at the same time, if, if, if Jason Garrett still has a job with the National Football League, Marvin Lewis should still have a job with the National Football League. Now, uh, you look at the whole situation with Jason Garrett, three straight seasons, eight and eight, three straight times in an elimination game on the final week of the season against three different opponents in your division, and you lose each and every one of those games. So I look at Jason Garrett now, and I see he still has a job. Marvin Lewis still should have a job. Now I will say this. If we look at those five losses under Marvin Lewis, and you look at those five playoff losses, and you say, let's look at them. 
Let's look at the five losses. With Carson Palmer, that game, and we look at it. You look at it. Carson Palmer in, in that game where he was hurt against the Steelers, he went out in that game. That was the first time the Bengals made the playoffs. They had a home game at home in Cincinnati. Carson Palmer goes ultimately, ultimately, the Bengals will lose that particular football game. But, but, in that game, in that game, everybody said it. I mean, this was the AFC North winning team back in 2005. Everybody said if Carson Palmer would have stayed in that football game, it would have been a different story. And I believe that as well, but ultimately the Steelers will win that game and ultimately win the Super Bowl. But losing Carson Palmer changed the course of that game. It changed the course of that game, and it kind of took the win out of the sails of the Cincinnati Bengals. But ultimately a loss is a loss, and ultimately they would lose, and ultimately Marvin Lewis would have his first playoff loss. You go down a few years later against the New York Jets back in 2009. Again, you win the AFC North. You're 10-6. and six. Again, you have a home playoff game, and again, you lose to the New York Jets. Unacceptable in a lot of ways, but ultimately that Jets team would go to the AFC title game where they would lose. But again, you're playing up against Mark Sanchez. I believe he was a rookie in that season. And, you know, that's a game you probably should win. First game, I'll give you a pass. Second game, you probably should have won because you had that game in your building. So, I'll give Marvin a first. I'll give Marvin a pass for the first game. I will not give him a pass for that second game against the New York Jets in your building. You should win that particular football game. Let's go to the next time they make it to the playoffs. Back in 2011. You look at it. Back in 2011 for the Cincinnati Bengals. This is a team. Andy Dalton, rookie quarterback, gets his team to the playoffs. They get to the playoffs, win the, as a wild card, 9-7 and seven in that particular year. They go to play the Houston Texans. And you look at the Houston Texans, they had T.J. Yates starting that particular football game. But at the same time, you have a rookie there in Andy Dalton. And you, have a, you had a very good defense with the Houston Texans in that particular season. Very good defense, and then J.J. Watt made that big-time play, that big-time interception, which changed the course of that game, and ultimately the Cincinnati Bengals will lose in that game, and Andy Dalton comes up small in that game, but he was a rookie. So I think in that particular situation, being that Andy Dalton was a rookie, I think he gets a pass. I'm going to give him a pass. I give Marvin Lewis a pass. I'll give Andy Dalton a pass. But in doing so, in giving him a pass, you have to give him a pass. You have to give him a pass because, again, he was a rookie. He was a rookie in that particular situation. He was a rookie. So he played like a rookie. He didn't make the plays. Didn't make the plays necessary for his team to move on to the next round. But in his rookie season, 20 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Not bad as a rookie. 
Bunk ultimately came up small in the playoffs, but probably lost to the better football team. They were the better football team. They were truly, I believe, the better football team, meaning the uh, Houston Texans in that particular game. They were the better football team. But again, I'll give Andy, Andy Dalton a pass. I'll give Marvin Lewis, a, Marvin Lewis a pass because you're playing a rookie quarter, with a rookie quarterback in Houston against a very good Texans defense at that point in time. So he gets a pass in that particular game, and obviously he didn't play well in that particular game, came up very, very small in that particular game, 27 for 42, 257 yards, but here's the key thing, three big interceptions. So he didn't give his team an opportunity to win that particular football game, and ultimately that cost him the game because you look at it. In the second quarter of that game against the Houston Texans, the first time, the first time Andy Dalton made the playoffs, they were tied at 10-10. 10-10 was the score, and then J.J. Watt made an incredible 29-yard interception and returned it for a touchdown, and that changed the course of that whole football game. It was 10-10 at that point in time. 10-10 at that point in time, but Watt gets the interception. Ultimately, Watt scores a touchdown. Ultimately, that changed the course of that game. But two more picks for Andy Dalton after that, and ultimately a loss. You look at the following year against the Houston Texans. In Houston, Matt Schaub is back. So I think, you know, obviously you get your quarterback back for Houston, and that's big. But Andy Dalton in this game, again, came up very, very small. 14 for 30 this time around with one interception, and that's unacceptable for 127 yards. 14 for 31 interception, 127 yards in the playoffs? It's unacceptable, unacceptable. Do you put down the quarterback? You put down the coach. I guess both of them have to take blame there. But, again, I'm inclined to give Marvin Lewis a pass. I'm going to give him a pass there. This year against the San Diego Chargers, I can't give Marvin. I can't give Andy. I can't give anybody a pass. I can't, as much as I would like to. I can't give him a pass. It's unacceptable to lose a home playoff game against the San Diego Chargers, a team that you're better than, a team that you beat in the regular season. Unacceptable. But I did say last week, if Andy Dalton, the, the week before against the uh, Baltimore Ravens, he threw four interceptions. I said if he throws four interceptions at any point in the playoffs, at any point in the playoffs against any football team, his Bengals are going home, and he did that. He had seven turnovers in the last two weeks of the season and to the regular season going into the playoffs. Seven turnovers. Seven turnovers, including the end of the regular season and a uh, wild card game against the San Diego Chargers. Seven turnovers, six picks, six picks and a fumble. You can't – that's not winning football. That is not winning football. And is Andy Dalton a franchise-caliber quarterback? I'm not sure at this point. I'm not sure at this point. I think the jury is definitely still out. Some people believe that the Bengals should should look elsewhere in terms of possibly drafting a quarterback, somebody, because there's a lot of people out here who do not believe in Andy Dalton. I mean, 33 touchdowns, 20 picks last season, or should I say this season, almost 4,300 yards passing. That's not bad numbers. Those interception numbers need to come down. Got to get those interceptions numbers down. But the 33 touchdowns, is, it's big. It's decent. 61 
0.9 completion percentage is decent. I mean, I don't. I'm not prepared to to say Andy Dalton is. I, I don't think. I'm not sure if he's a franchise guy, but can you win with him? Because there are not many franchise caliber quarterbacks out there. The question becomes, can you win with Andy Dalton? I believe you can. I, I think the Bengals would be smart to stick with Andy Dalton moving forward. I think you can play winning football with Andy Dalton. I think you can. And I believe that moving forward, you know, we'll see with the Bengals. should be interesting. But I think next year is going to be interesting for Marvin Lewis. He's got to win at least one playoff game if he wants to continue as the coach of the Bengals. And Andy Dalton has to win one playoff game, I believe, if he wants to continue as the quarterback for the Bengals. Or you could you can be of the mindset now they're all going to get well. Hugh Jackson was promoted as Jay Gruden took the job with the Washington Redskins, but you know maybe under Jackson, Hugh Jackson things will be a little different, maybe, and maybe it could come down to if you decide okay, Andy Dalton is not my guy, if you make that decision, and if you decide that Dalton is not your guy, if you make that decision. You know, or I, I think it's, it's going to come down to this. If here's how it's going to come down to: if Marvin Lewis and the Bengals do not win, make it to the playoffs, a, and if they make it to the playoffs, do not win a playoff game, Marvin Lewis is definitely out. Andy Dalton, there's always the possibility, depending on what type of season he has, that he could stick around, and then the thought process could be: okay, maybe we need a different coach to change the mindset of the team. We need a closer, a la you had the situation with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't think this Bengal team is as good as that Buc- those Buccaneers teams, but with Tony Dungy, they couldn't get over the top. Well, you bring it to John Gruden, he pushes that team over the top, and ultimately they win the Super Bowl. So could that be the case in Cincinnati where now you need that closer, if you will, that, that Lee Smith, that that Mariano Rivera type coach to come in and push your team over the top. Is that what you need at this point? We'll see. But Marvin Lewis still has a job, and Marvin Lewis and the Bengals moving forward are going to have to win playoff game. Marvin Lewis, Andy Dalton, and that team defensively, they're good. They're, they're good on the defensive side of the ball. Getting Geno Atkins back next season is definitely going to help. But defensively, they kept him in that game even after all the turnovers, even after the fumble and the two picks. They still kept the Bengals in that game. But you can only, your defense can only do so much when teams are getting short fields. You can only do so much. And ultimately, ultimately, with that being said, With that being said, if you are Marvin Lewis, if you are the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, if you are Andy Dalton, next season has to be better. It has to be better. It has to be better. It has to. If it's not, if it's not, then Lewis is going to lose his job, and Andy Dalton's going to lose his job. Bottom line, point blank, those guys lose their job. That's it. No doubt about it. 
I want to go now to this to this uh, Hall of Fame vote situation, and a lot a lot has been made. You had the whole situation with Dan Levitard and giving his vote to Deadspin.com and that whole controversy. Ultimately, he was stripped of that uh, voting opportunity moving forward. But look at it, man. I mean, <laughs> you look at the whole situation with this Hall of Fame, and Craig Biggio missed it by 0.2%, got 74.8% of the vote, needed 75% of the vote to get it. But you look at it, man. I mean, some of the votes, I mean, if you're going to strip Dan Lebetard of his vote for giving it to Deadspin, some of these other guys who, who made some votes need to be stripped as well. Anybody who cast a ballot for Kenny Rogers, Jack Jones, J.T. Snow, Armando Benitez, and Eric Gagne, do not deserve to have a Hall of Fame vote. I mean, come on. If you are going to vote for Jack Jones, J.T. Snow, Kenny Rogers, Armando Benitez, Eric Gagne, why do you have a Hall of Fame vote? Because you're stupid. You're dumb. You don't know baseball. If you think that Benitez, Gagne, Jack Jones, Kenny Rogers, if you think those guys are Hall of Famers, you don't need to vote either. If you're going to strip Dan Levitard of his vote, you need to strip the guys who voted for Kenny Rogers, Jack Jones, J.T. Snow, Armando Benitez, and Eric Gagne. Those guys need to be stripped of their vote as well. Doesn't make sense. And then you have, what, 16 ballots that didn't have Greg Maddox on it? Come on. Greg Maddox, 355 wins? That Greg Maddox? I mean, baseball is a game of numbers. 300 wins as a pitcher, you're a Hall of Famer. More often than not, 500 home runs as a hitter, you're a Hall of Famer. More often than not, 3,000 hits as a hitter, as a player, you are a Hall of Famer. Craig Vigio, 3,000 hits. And you got guys voting for Jack Jones? Nothing against these guys. Kenny Rogers, Eric Gagne, J.T. Snow. Nothing against these guys. Nothing. Nothing against these guys. But how is that possible? How is that acceptable? How do you still continue to have a Hall of Fame vote if you're voting for that? How? 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 It doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense. I mean, so, hate or love what Dan Levitard did. Hate or love it. As far as I'm concerned. If you're, you know, I, I understand the whole situation with unanimous selections and so on and so forth, but it's silly. If you don't believe that Greg Maddox is a Hall of Famer, but you're voting for Jock Jones and Eric Kanye and, and, and a few others, then you got you, you don't deserve the vote. You don't deserve the vote. And then you have all these other people in terms of the hall, in terms of the steroid issue and where they're going to vote there because they don't know what to do in terms of that and. And, and, and I mean, some people believe there should be guidelines in terms of how they should handle the whole steroid era. 
it is what it is. It's a part of baseball. It's, a, it's an era of baseball where, you know, I mean, let's go back to 1998 and McGuire and Sosa, and they're bringing baseball, bringing the fans back to baseball. Fans are flocking to Major League Baseball stadiums around the country to see batting practice. BP. See McGuire, BP. As far as I'm concerned. <clears throat> As far as I'm concerned, it's hypocrisy. I mean, the owners benefited from it. Major League Baseball as a whole benefited from it. Everybody benefited from the quote-unquote steroid era. Everybody benefited from the steroid era, so players included. So to say that that era doesn't exist to me is hypocrisy because you saw it going on and you let it go on. So that's hypocrisy to me. So as far as I'm concerned, Steroid guys get into. You have the numbers, let them all in. Until you come up with some kind of criteria that says otherwise, let them all in. I mean, Bonds, he's a Hall of Famer, home run king. Whether it's a steroid or a PED-aided, who cares? You let it happen as a a league. You let it happen as an entity. You let that happen. Roger Clemens, 325 wins, maybe was steroid-aided. PDA'd Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But guess what? It is what it is. You let this happen, Major League Baseball. To me, it's almost like if you're a parent and, you know, you let your kid get away with this, you let your kid get away with that, and your kid gets away with this and your kid gets away with that, you let it happen. You say it's acceptable. You say it's okay. As long as they don't bother you, you say it's okay. You say it's acceptable, and they get away with all these things. And they continue to get away with all these things. And you somehow start punishing them for those things that that are happening now. You start turning around and say, you know what, I'm going to punish you for this even though I said it was okay. You know, I'm going to punish you for that even though I said it was okay. I'm going to punish you for this even though I said it was okay. And that's what's happening here. I mean, <clears throat> these guys, these baseball writers, these guys are on high horses at this point in time. And, you know, these guys are, are, are you know, making it seem like these guys, they're, they're gods, is that, you know, they're, they're above anything. And as far as I'm concerned, anybody that has a criticism with Dan Levitard and Dan Levitard gets stripped of his Hall of Fame vote, anybody that voted for Jock Jones, J.T. Snow, Armando Benitez, and, and, and name of a few others who were on there, Nomo made it on the, someone's ballot as well, a few others made it on the ballot. It's ridiculous. But anybody that makes those type of votes, you're incompetent and you don't deserve a Hall of Fame vote. You should be stripped of your Hall of Fame vote for incompetence. That's how it should be handled. Strip them of their Hall of Fame vote for incompetence. Second hour of Go For It, starting right now. Second hour of Go For It in this hour. We're going to be joined by Hall of Famer Willie Rowe. Willie's happy guy right now. His Saints are in his division around of the playoffs. They don't belong there. I thought the Eagles should have won that particular football game, but it is what it is. But the Saints are here. They are here. They're in this hall. They're there. They're in the division around. They're going to Seattle. 
They got beat down last time they went to Seattle, 31 to 7. I don't know how this is going to be much different. I mean, you know, I saw Drew Brees last week, 250 yards, two interceptions. Wasn't very, very sharp in that game. And, you know, that was against the Eagles defense that is not as good as this Seattle Seahawks defense. That was against an Eagles team as a whole. And even the Eagles, you know, Lincoln Financial Field has not been the same type of home field advantage that uh, Seattle has. It's just not the the kind of advantage they have at Quest Field. It's not. So I don't see how the Saints can go in to to, uh, Seattle and win that game. I don't think they have any shot whatsoever. I, I don't think the Saints have a shot. I mean, they're going to need turnovers. They're going to need Russell Wilson to have some hiccups, a couple fumbles. You know, it's going to be windy. It's going to be rainy. So there's always an opportunity when the weather is not so great for, you know, teams to make plays. Teams have an opportunity to make some kind of plays. Fumbles, takeover, losing the football, things of that nature. All those things come into play. You have an opportunity now. All those things with with the wind and the rain. The ball could float. The ball could be lost. I mean, you know, the the elements do change things. But I can't see how New Orleans, especially off the way they played last week against Philadelphia, because I don't think they played all that well. I don't think they played all that well. I think they were very fortunate in that game to to, to get get out of Philadelphia with that victory. I, I I don't see how, you know, they were able to win that game. I saw, I saw how they were able to win that game, but they had no business winning that game, as far as I'm concerned. Just watching the game, I thought the Eagles, you know, had an opportunity to win that game, and they just didn't make the plays necessary to win it. But give the Saints a lot of credit. Not playing your best ball, give, uh, you know, having the two turnovers, but still finding a way to limit LaShawn McCoy, still finding a way to limit uh, Nick Foles, holding him to under 200 yards in that game and ultimately finding a way to win that particular football game and finding a way now to move on to the divisional round. But, 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 I can't see no way on this earth, on God's green earth, no way that the the New Orleans Saints can go into Seattle and beat the Seattle Seahawks. If you're just joining us, if you haven't been, listening to the news and what's out there. Alex Rodriguez suspended for the entire 2014 season at this point in time. Alex Rodriguez says that he is going to take this to federal court. So he's going to keep pushing with this and just to see what he's going to keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing to get back on the field. He's going to keep pushing to get back on the field and ultimately play for the New York Yankees. The Yankees don't want him there. But guess what? He has a contract. They have to honor it. It is what it is. Here's Alex Rodriguez in his statement. I'm going to read some of the statement to you. Quote, the number of games sadly comes as no surprise as the deck has been stacked against me from day one. This is one man's decision. That was not put before a fair and impartial jury. Does not involve me having failed a single drug test. Is at odds with the fact and is inconsistent with the terms of the joint drug agreement and the basic agreement and relies on testimony and documents that would never have been allowed in any court in the United States because they are false and wholly unreliable. This injustice 
is MLB's first step towards abolishing guaranteed contracts in the 2016 bargaining round, instituting lifetime bans for single violations of the drug policy and further insulating its corrupt investigative program from any variety of defense by accused players or any variety of objective review. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, I, I think Alex Rodriguez is is kind of grasping at straws here, talking about uh, Major League Baseball going after guaranteed contracts and everything. I don't think that'll ever happen. Um, <clears throat> as a whole, the Players Association agreed to this type of protocol in terms of the arbitrator and everything else. I mean, you know, it, it's not like Major League Baseball has not lost in this particular situation. You've got to point to Ryan Braun and how he beat the system at a point in time. Ultimately, the system would get back to him, or the truth would get back to him, and ultimately that would cost him. But everybody in this particular situation associated to that Miami clinic with Anthony Bosch has pled out, essentially. Everybody has accepted their medicine and has moved on with their life. There's only one person that has fought this tooth and nail. Only one person who has fought this, and this is Alex Rodriguez. Only one person. So if, if, if everybody rolls over, you only have one person who fights it, the odds are that A-Rod is just as guilty as everybody else that rolled over. Though so Those are the odds. But, again, those are the odds. But, again, who knows? Who knows? May I mean, you know, obviously Alex Rodriguez, I said earlier in the show, is going to do what he has to do to to continue to play baseball, to continue to make the type of money he's made. But even if he's suspended for the whole next year, which he will lose $25 million, he still would have an opportunity to get the final $54 million left on his contract. So all is not bad. In, the Alex, in Alex Rodriguez's world. All is not bad in Alex Rodriguez's world. It's not. It's actually fairly pretty good, considering they still are going to be able to make $54 million. But I guess the trade-off could be at the end of the day, I don't know if it's a trade-off per se, but at the end of the day, it could be that his career, his career could be done. He's going to come back at 40. He's going to come back at 40, and he's going to continue to play. I guess if you're in the Yankees, you might as well see what you have. You've got to pay him anyway. So you might as well see what you have in Alex Rodriguez. He said he's going to take this to federal court, and we'll see what happens in federal court. Will he be able to reverse this decision? Only time will tell. But Alex Rodriguez at this point in time is going to fight this to the end and we'll see what happens. Let's go back to the National Football League now. And on the line is a guy who was very happy. Well, mixed emotions I would think he would have last week as his Chiefs blew a 28-point lead uh, against the Indianapolis Colts. But in the nightcap, his Saints came through and beat my beloved Philadelphia Eagles. Let's bring him in now. Hall of Famer, the one, the only, Willie Rove. Willie. Well, that was that. Yeah, and your beloved... Uh, Eagles. I mean, uh, uh, the uh, my, my Chiefs. I don't understand what that was like a college bowl game, and the Saints came out, ran the ball, and uh, 
did what they did to get it needed to get a win in Philadelphia. They they did, and give the Saints a lot of credit. They were able to run the ball 185 yards on the ground, unexpected. I did say whoever ran the ball better was going to win that game, and ultimately the Saints ran the ball better, and ultimately they go on to the next round. But let's start with the Saints and the uh, the Seahawks right now, Willie. I mean, in my mind, judging by the way the Saints played last week against the Eagles, I thought they were very fortunate to escape from Philadelphia with the victory, but they got it done. But in my mind, I can't see a way that the Saints can go to Seattle, a team that beat them up 34-7 in the regular season. I don't know how much that matters, but they did beat them up, a team who has who was big time at home in the Seahawks against the Saints team who's not very good on the road. Is there any way in your mind the Saints can beat the Seahawks in Seattle, Willie? Yes, yes if, they, if they stick to the equation they use against Philly and they run the ball, and that's why they saved Tawan Armstead to the tackle, because when he's in the lineup, they run the ball more effectively. I've been wondering where Mark Ingram's been all year. They finally got to let him get loose. They, I mean, if Pierre Thomas can't go, I like Mark Ingram and the other back there. But Mark Ingram is a big game back. He did it in college. But the key to the game also is going to be, is Jimmy Graham going to not let them get physical with him and jam him? And is he going to get free and catch some balls? When Jimmy Graham gets going, he opens up that whole offense. So Jimmy Graham has to be productive. For the Saints to win on the road, Jimmy Graham is going to be the key of having a big game. And we'll see. And it's all, and it's possible for Jimmy Graham to have a big game in that particular situation. Here's what I also think is an advantage <clears throat> to the Saints. I believe that the Seahawks are a better football team. But in this particular game, wind and rain is going to be windy. It's going to be rainy, and in that particular situation, anything can happen. So I think that actually favors the Saints in a weird way because I think the Seahawks are the better team, but I think turnovers are the great equalizer, and if they can turn the Seahawks over, which is possible. Go ahead. And if you remember that first game they played, the Saints got off to a terrible start. They turned the ball over, and they played right into the Seahawks' hands. Now, Russell Wilson has been playing, uh, if you look at the numbers, I don't know, but I don't think he's been playing great of late. I mean, he's been playing good, but I I think, uh, you know, I don't know how much Percy Harvin is going to be able to give him and how many downs they're going to use him. Um, But, like I said, if if Richard Sermon is going to be matched up on on Jimmy Graham, and if Jimmy Graham lets him bump him and, and chuck him all over the place and gets out of his game, then, then it, I think it'd be a rough day for the Saints. But if Jimmy goes out and has a big game and opens up that offense, and the Saints can run the run the run the ball, I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. I think it can go either way. Like you said, it can get ugly, or it's going to be a real close game, and it's going to come down to who makes the plays late in the fourth quarter. Now you're saying that it'll go either way. So are you saying that the are are you? Let's say something definitive. Do you believe that the Saints will win this game? I believe the Saints have a very good chance to win this game. <laughs> I guess the Saints, are you, it's hard to play and beat a team up twice in the National Football League. Sure. I think they have a chip on their shoulder. I think they're going in there with attitude. And I think it's going to come down to who's going to turn the ball over, who's going to be able to make the play down the stretch to win the game. But I think it will be a close game. The Saints will score points on Seattle, um, 
So I, I, mean, I can't go against them, so I'm going to pick the Saints. Uh, I'm going to pick the Saints to beat Seattle in Seattle. Now, you talked about Russell Wilson in the final four games, 199, 206, 108, and 172. Those are his passing yards and only four touchdowns in that stretch, including three interceptions. Seven interceptions in that stretch. Seven? Three. Three picks in that stretch. The final four games, okay. three picks, but only four touchdowns, and only he only got over 200 yards one time in that four-game stretch. So to your point, to your point, Russell Wilson has not been playing good football of late. So, I mean, that does give the Seahawks, not the Seahawks, the Saints, an opportunity in this game. I want to ask you this now, Willie. You, you played with the Saints, and you played in the Dome, and then you went outside the Dome on the road. What, what happens to team, Dome teams who go on the road? Why is it so much different for them? Well, you know, when you play inside, it's a, it's a confined environment. I mean, the temperature is, is the uh, is going to be, you know, it might be a little warm, but, but you know, you, you you know what you're going to do. You don't have anything, you know, the wind, the conditions, the ball, you know, getting slick. I mean, it's, it's just a very controlled environment. When you go outside and play on different stadiums, you have to deal with playing on grass or playing uh, playing uh, uh, on, on the field turf, and you have to deal with the with the conditions of the ball, the slickness, uh, the wind. You know, uh, kicking the ball, throwing the pass, high floats in the air. So it's a lot. It's, it's a lot of variables where when you're in the dome, it's just a very confront, controlled environment. And you know what you're gonna get. And, and Drew Brees and those guys are used to playing it. But when you get outside, you're gonna have to deal with all the different elements, and it just you have to. It, it's an adjustment period for the team that's. that's coming from, from on the road because they're right. not used to playing in all those different environments. They're not like going to Kansas City. Every time I went to Kansas City in New Orleans, uh, you know, I felt like it was cold or slick, slickery, slick or, uh, you know, the conditions. We went up there late one, the last time I went up there in the season. But, uh, you know, it was just, you know, it felt like a tough tough place to play. But then when I played up there and got used to it, then, you know, it, it, was, it was great to play up there. So, it's just, it's just a total different ball game dealing with the elements, elements. And like I said, the elements are going to be a factor for both these teams have to play in them in this in this circumstance. And uh, and I'm pretty sure that the DB did pass con- concussion test and played the nickel in the nickel yeah. situation will become a person Harvey 28 will be just out for the Saints this week too. So we'll see what happens. Keaton Lewis is playing this week. Uh, and, and it's funny – when when Keenan Lewis went out, it was almost like Deshaun Jackson got his get-out-of-jail-free card. He was able to get loose after Keenan Lewis went out of the game. But he will play this week against the Seahawks. And we're talking to Hall of Famer Willie, Willie Rose. And, and Willie, going to the Colts and uh, Patriots in the nightcap tonight, looking at this game, you look at the Colts coming back 28 down against the Chiefs. They had no business winning the game, but Andrew Luck is special, and he did special things in that particular game. This time they're going up against going on the road against the New England Patriots, a team that's running the ball very well right now, and you have a Colts team who's near the bottom of the league against the rush. All in all, how do you see this one playing out? Uh, Andrew Luck has been very inconsistent this year also. If you look at his numbers, um, they will not, they will not, I repeat, be able to come back on. If they turn the ball over and do the things he did against Kansas City, who we don't know where that defense went in the second half, but they disappeared. Anytime you score 38 points on the road, you're supposed to win the football game. And you didn't even have Jamal Charles. Uh, but the line played well for Kansas City, and Alex Smith had one of the, one of 
probably, if you look at those numbers, the best playoff game of yeah. his performance, the best playoff yeah. game a chief quarterback has had probably in recent history, and uh, they don't win that ball game. But uh, I think um, even though the, everybody's talking about New England's defense is banged up, I think the Golden Boy and um, and, and, and that team wild us to the occasion, and I think they found a way to win this game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I mean, I think the Colts are going to be competitive, but I just don't think they'll have enough to beat Tom Brady in the New England Patriots. And, again, like you said, you can't throw three interceptions and expect to beat Tom Brady and the Patriots. And they had no business beating the Chiefs, but they did. But I think it comes to an end for the ball, not the Baltimore Colts, but the Indianapolis Colts this week against Tom Brady and the Patriots. And I just like – the running matchup that the Patriots have against the Colts. I mean, LeGarrette Blunt, Stephen Ridley, and those and, guys. And, are playing. And another thing, Paul, Trent Richardson's got to give them a big – another thing. If they're going to win, Trent Richardson's got to step up big, and he hasn't shown that he can do that in the National Football League consistently. You know, he turned the ball over last week. Uh, you know, I, I don't know uh, what's going to happen with him at the pro, but to this point, you know, the the the, the – from Alabama, Lacey's been had an excellent year, but Trent Richardson has been a disappointment. Definitely, definitely, and definitely, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, we'll see if the Colts can can get a victory in New England, but it's going to be tough against this Patriots team. We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rowe from Willie. Uh, going to the NFC now. Sunday, you have the 49ers and the Carolina Panthers. This is the team. The first time these two teams played. The Carolina Panthers were able to get the victory 10-9 in San Francisco. They were able to harass Colin Kaepernick, sacking him six times, holding him to 91 yards passing. And in that particular game, though, Michael Crabtree was gone. Vernon Davis missed most of that game with a concussion. I think it's going to be different this time around because I think it comes down to the quarterbacks, Kaepernick and Cam Newton. Who do I trust more? I trust Kaepernick a little more than I trust Cam Newton. But how do you see this playing out? Uh, I, I think I agree with you with the with the with the injury to Steve Smith and with everything going on. I know Carolina have excellent defense. This is going to be a tight ball game too. Now, can Cam Newton take over and just be Superman and run the ball all over the field and, and make up for for you know and find some other guys? I, I think with the 49ers right now, with all their weapons back, with Crabtree playing well. But Vernon right. Davis playing well. I just think the Kaepernick has more weapons and his feet. I just, I just see, I don't see them being able to contain the 49ers for 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 that game. And you know, the only way they're going to beat them is being able to run the ball. And I think uh, the running back uh, Stuart Jonathan is hurt. And um, yeah. you know, Cam does most for them to have those backs. They, they paid a lot of money. They Cam does most of everything for them. So I, I agree with you. I think the 49ers won this one on the road. I agree with you on that. But I will say this, that Carolina defense has been big time throughout the course of this year, and we'll see if they have another big time effort in them. And, and Cam Cam has made plays in big times for this team against the Saints. He made a you know, big time drive against the, the Patriots. He had a big time drive. So he's made some big plays when he needed to make big plays throughout the course of this season. We'll see if it continues against, in the playoffs against the 49ers. I just like the way the 49ers are playing right now. I like and, and, their mojo. And, the, and like you said, the, the 49ers have their weapons back. And Cam just doesn't have the weapons that the 49ers had. If Ted Ginn Jr. going to have uh, a 100 receiving yard game and 
step up big for me. If, if Steve Smith is not Steve Smith, who do they go to as far as the receiver? Who is going to be the weapon? Right. Uh, you're right. I mean, that, you rely on Brandon LaFell. You rely on Greg Olson. And we'll see what happens in that particular football game, 10 again as well. Looking now at the final game of the division around the Chargers and the Denver Broncos, this is going to be an interesting game to me. I like the way the Chargers are playing right now. I like their swagger right now. I like Philip Rivers' swagger right now. I like, to, I like to, the whole thing surrounding the Chargers right now. And I look at this team, and you look at the two matchups against the Broncos. They were competitive in both of those games. And you look at it, the Broncos in those two games have only outscored the, the Chargers by one point. They split the season series, and ultimately the Chargers were able to go to Denver and beat the Broncos. This is going to be a, a, an interesting game to me. How do you see this playing out? Uh, this, this is a tough one to call, too. This is a division game. Uh, you have you have uh, the, the the defensive end is out for the year, and they tore his ACL. Um, Miller, Are they going to be what kind of pass rush are they going to be able to generate on Philip Rivers? And and then you still have a patch up offensive line for Peyton Manning. But saying that, Peyton Manning has had an extra week to prepare. They are going up to mile high. I think this will be a close game, but I don't see them having enough to beat the Broncos in this game at home. And if they do, it's going to be a lot of people upset in Denver. But uh, it's going to be a dog fight. But uh, you know. Um, I just see Denver uh, winning this winning this one at home. And, and you know, also, you look at it is also Ryan Matthews. We don't know what he's going to be. And last time he played the Denver Broncos, he had over 100 yards. So we don't know what he's going to be. Their big time running back who's had a big time year for the San Diego Chargers. It's going to be interesting. But I I, I do think though that I, I think that the pressure is on Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos. Peyton Manning, not very good in the playoffs, 9-11 in the playoffs. We saw what happened last season. Even after getting a kickoff and a punt return from Trenton Holiday, even after all that, he still found a way to lose that game to the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, because I mean, the, safety, the safety should have never got beat on that play either, Paul. I mean, that was sure. a fluke for them. How did the guy run past the safety in the corner when when, when you know that they got to make they got to score a touchdown? I mean, they, they never should have won that game last year. So that wasn't all. That defense gave him that huge play late. Uh, I don't think that Peyton wants to let them eat, eat even get that close. I think Marino and those guys, I mean, he's got some guys that can't run the ball also in Denver. Um, let's see how that offensive line holds up for Denver against against the Chargers. But uh, I like the Chargers line up front. Fluke has come in and done an excellent job. Yeah. The left tackle, I like what, the, what, they, what that line does for them. But uh, if, if they can't run the ball, they're gonna to have to throw the ball, and and another another X factor in this: what is Tim Bailey gonna be able to give him in this game? Is he gonna is he is he playing this week, Paul? I believe he is. I believe Tim Bailey is playing this week. I haven't heard anything otherwise. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, the, the, all the receivers are healthy for Denver. You got you got Walker coming. Walker is the only one that was questionable with the concussion, and he is playing this week. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, uh, Peyton has a lot of weapons to go to, and, and, and can they slow that offense down? It's going to be a good question for for four quarters. And the only reason the way they are going to be able to do it, like you said, is to control the clock and keep Peyton Manning off the field. And we don't know what's going on with the running back. So I had to favor Denver in this one. And also, you, you, 
I'm not so quick to get Peyton Manning a pass in that in last year's game. He did throw a pick in the overtime that set up ultimately the, the game-winning field goal for the Baltimore Ravens. But but I, I will agree, there's no way that that ball should have got behind um, Raheem Moore in that particular situation. But we shall see what happens, and that's why you play the game. Willie, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it thank, again. Thank you for having me, and I wish I had been able to talk last week because I would have said what I thought. The Saints were going to run the ball. That's why they sat there. I, I talked to that young kid, Terran Armstead, and he wants to be the best tackle in the league, and he said he's going to work to be, and I told him, you have to be able to run block and pass block. And I know he struggled some against Carolina, but, uh, but I mean, Sean Payton is is the mad scientist to bring him to bring him back to start a game in a toughest environment. You know, then he plays Tampa and plays a good game, and he and he came on the road, and the Saints line did a pretty, did a good job, uh, um, and, 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 and despite Drew Brees struggling some, they were able to get the win. So that 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 to me shows me that they're getting away from just depending on Drew Brees to throw the ball fifty times a game. And they were also very fortunate that certain things did happen. Riley Cooper dropping a big ball across the middle that would have netted a lot of yardage, uh, and. I mean, I just thought the Eagles outplayed the Saints in that particular football game. I know that the yardage numbers would tell you otherwise, but they 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 got the two picks on Drew Brees, and they just weren't able to capitalize on those things. And we'll and see what happens. He won't be able to he won't be able to do that against Seattle if Drew Brees right. gets off and gets off to a sluggish start, and they get and, and and they get they get down by fourteen, seventeen points again, like what happened in, in that game in Seattle. It could get ugly. So it can get ugly, but I think it, it should be close this time. Pleasure, Willie. Thank you for having me. Take care. Hall of Famer, Willie Rofe, giving his thoughts on what's going to happen this week in the National Football League Divisional Round. I mean, you know, I, I, going back to the Chargers and, and the Denver Broncos, um, you look at that particular game, and, I, and as I said, in talking to Willie, in the regular season, you know, the Broncos have only outscored the Chargers by one point in those two games. They split it. They split the regular season. Chargers losing at San Diego and then the Chargers going back and beating the Broncos in Denver. In that last game, Wes Walker was not there. And, you know, having a Wes Walker back obviously is, is a game changer in a lot of ways. I mean, Wes Walker is a big-time wide receiver. Wes Walker makes big-time plays throughout the course of this season, has made big-time plays throughout the course of this season. Even in their first matchup, uh, Walker was not much of a factor in that game, only catching the ball three times for 21 yards. But he's back, and and, and his ability to to go over the middle, his ability to do big things in the slot is going to be big-time for the Broncos. It's going to be big-time. And... I look at this game now, and the pressure is on Peyton Manning. It's it's on Peyton Manning to perform because Peyton Manning, for as great as he's been throughout the course of this year, for as great as he's been throughout the course of his career, has not been a big-time playoff quarterback. He has not been a big-time playoff quarterback. 9-11 in the playoffs. Eli Obviously not as good as his brother, Peyton. But Eli, 
in terms of the playoffs, is a much better quarterback than Peyton Manning. And, you know, we look at the type of season Peyton Manning had, 54-77, 55 touchdowns to 10 interceptions, almost 70% completion percentage, 68.3. I mean, the, the type of season that Peyton Manning had for the Denver Broncos, obviously it was historic with the touchdowns and the yardage. I mean, all these things, was, well, it was historic. It was an historic season. But you know what you're going to get from Peyton Manning as a whole in the regular season. The wild card now becomes what Peyton Manning becomes in the playoffs. What he becomes in the playoffs. That is the wild card when talking about Peyton Manning. And the pressure is on Denver and Peyton Manning more so than it is on the San Diego Chargers. Heck, the San Diego Chargers aren't even supposed to be here. I mean, you know, we all know this whole story uh, with the Pittsburgh State, with the, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs in that particular game and the penalty that should have been called. We all know that. So you look at it, you look at it, they don't belong here, the Chargers, but they're here. They're here. They don't belong here, but they're here. And I look at it. The pressure is on Peyton Manning to perform. The pressure is on Peyton Manning to make plays in the playoffs. Those, the pressure is on him. The pressure is on him. What will happen? You look at Peyton Manning in these playoffs. He's a totally different player, totally different player, totally different player in the playoffs. Um, you know, you look at last year, you look at what happened against the Baltimore Ravens. And the Baltimore Ravens had a special magic, a special mojo, a special something that couldn't be explained, could not be explained. And they were ultimately able to win that game. But Peyton Manning helped, especially in that overtime where he threw across his body and was picked off, and ultimately that sealed the deal for the Baltimore Ravens as they were able to kick the field goal, Justin Tucker able to get the field goal, ultimately win that particular football game. I mean, it's just, so interesting now. Will Peyton Manning come up big in this particular game? The, the Chargers have played him well throughout the course of this season. They played him well. They played this team well. So this is a, a, an even matchup in, in some respect from the standpoint in terms of what they did in the regular season against each other. Styles make fights. Styles make fights. And We'll see if Styles makes fighting. We'll see what happens here. We'll see what happens here. But it's going to be interesting. We'll see if the Chargers can continue to magic Phillip Rivers and that defense. We'll see if they can continue to be opportunistic. We'll see if Ryan uh, Ryan Matthews can come in and run the ball and have uh, and be effective. We'll see. We'll see. Danny Woodhead and his playmaking ability, will that continue 
out of the backfield. We'll see. This is going to be an interesting game. I will say this, Peyton Manning probably won't give you three turnovers, two interceptions, and a fumble, a la Andy Dalton. He's probably not going to give you three turnovers. So you at the Chargers are going to have to play, I don't want to say a perfect game, but a clean game if you want to win it. And, you know, Keenan Allen got off on the Denver Broncos. Keenan Allen got off on the Broncos. He was big against the Denver Broncos in that uh, in that second game. He was big in that second game. He made a lot of plays in that game. Made a lot of plays. A lot of plays. So they're going to have to limit Keenan Allen. What a year he's had as a rookie. What a year he's had as a rookie. So well, it's going to be interesting. That's an intriguing matchup. And all these matchups have a lot of intrigue. I mean, other than the Saints, other other than the Saints, Seahawks, I would call these games in a lot of ways. And and I'm not. I don't think I'll call. I'm not going to call the Patriots and and Colts a 50-50 game. But I would call the the Panthers and the 49ers a 50-50 game. And I'm I'm going to call the Broncos and Chargers a 50-50 game. I really am. I'm going to call the Broncos and Chargers a 50-50 game. Two very interesting matchups. And two, you know, the Panthers are not favored in this game, but, again, they went up to San Francisco and out-physical the 49ers. Out-physical, they're a very physical football team in the 49ers. Out-physical them. Will that continue? Will that happen? That should be very interesting. I want to go to the BCS title game. Then I'm going to go back to. I'm going to get to. We're going to get to J.R. Smith. I got to get to J.R. Smith. I got to talk to J.R. about J.R. Smith before I get out of here. But I'm going to go to the BCS title game. And how about the performance of Jameis Winston? How, how, how about Jameis Winston, famous Jameis, in that particular game? You look at that particular football game, and you you were looking at that game, and I, I said the week before that game or a couple days before that game last week, that, hey, this game scares me. I look at it, on the surface, the better football team, to me, are the Florida State Seminoles. But I did say I like the mojo. I I, I like the the, the swagger. And I did say that the, the Auburn Tigers had that Destiny's Child feel, had that Beyonce, had that Kelly has that Michelle feel, that Destiny's Child type feel. I did say that. And as you watch the football game and you saw Auburn come out early on this football team and go up 21-3 to in that second quarter, I was saying to myself, maybe this team really is Destiny's Child, meaning the Auburn Tigers. And then the fake, then the fake punt happened. And, you know, I was watching the game and, I too said to myself that this could have they could fake the uh, fake it here because they needed something they needed some kind of boost they, they needed something going into halftime and they got that something going into halftime and that was big they they them getting that whole them getting that that fake field goal and then not the fake field goal the fake punt and then turning that into a first down and also ultimately turning and ending that drive in a touchdown. And now, instead of going into the halftime 21-3, to you go into halftime 
21 to 10, and now you're back into the football game. You're back into the football game. And then your defense starts to stand up a little bit, and ultimately Jameis Winston starts to make a few more plays, and then ultimately you get that big-time kickoff return by Levante Whitfield that, you know, puts you up 27 to uh, 24, and at that point you're thinking to yourself, obviously the momentum has switched back to the Florida State Seminoles, and the Florida State Seminoles were on their way. Then Nick Marshall, an impressive drive, made some impressive throws in that drive, ultimately and ultimately ended with a 37-yard touchdown, I mean, 37-yard touchdown run by Trey Mason that put them up 31-27. to And now at that point you're saying to yourself, this is why, son, you are the Heisman Trophy winner, Jameis Winston. It's in your hand, a minute 19 left in this particular football game. Do what you do. And Jameis Winston did what he did and, and, and let him down the field. He led them down the field and ultimately led him into the end zone and ultimately led him to the victory and the national title. You look at Jameis Winston, the whole situation throughout the course of this season that he has experienced with the, 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 the alleged sexual assault, alleged rape that he, he was dealing with, dealing with all that, dealing with all that, 19 years old, dealing with all the pressures, winning the Heisman as a redshirt freshman, all the pressures that come with that, all the pressures that come with, with an investigation hanging over your head, with your freedom essentially hanging over your head, you know, you know, your, your, your freedom, the uncertainty with your freedom. With all that, he had to deal with. And, and at this point, we have heard that uh, the, the alleged, the, the girl who was uh, allegedly assaulted by, sexually assaulted or raped by James Winston, where she now is going to try to file a civil lawsuit against Winston. So we'll see what happens about with that. And at this point, that story is still going. It's still in play, not from a criminal criminal aspect, from a, but from a civil aspect, it is still in play. So we'll see what happens there. But this guy has overcome all that. 19 years old, overcome all those things, overcame all those distractions, and led his team when they needed him the most. He didn't play a good football game. Didn't play a good football game at all. But when they needed him the most, he picked this play up. He picked this play up. He picked this play up. And then ultimately, he picked this play up enough to lead his team on a seventh play, 80-yard drive for the winning touchdown with a minute 19 left. And ultimately, the Florida State Seminoles were able to win the national title. What a game. <clears throat> Final year of the BCS, and what a way for the BCS to go out. What a way for the BCS to go out. You, I, I was thinking there at one point where you saw the situation where an undefeated team going up against uh, uh, the Times, an undefeated team has lost to a team with a one-loss lost to a, a one-loss team in the BCS title game. I, I was That team that lost, that team that was the one-loss team was a team that was beating the one, the number one team by 20 points or more. So in that particular situation where you have a one-loss team against an undefeated team, when, they, when the one-loss team has beaten the undefeated team, they have beaten them by 20 points or more. And as I was watching this football game, I saw 21-3, to three, I was saying to myself, will this come, come to pass? Will this stat come to pass? It didn't come to pass ultimately because Jameis Winston was that good 
is that good and has been that good throughout the course of the season. And ultimately, the Florida State Seminoles were able to win the game. And ultimately, the Florida State Seminoles are your national champions. What a game. What a great night for famous Jameis Winston. J.R. Smith. What a guy. What a guy. J.R. Smith. This guy now. You have the whole situation. First off, he unties Sean Marion's shoe. I mean, I, I guess not the end of the world, but he did untie his shoe. He untied his shoe, and ultimately for that, he was given a warning by the league, the NBA. Hey, man, it's a warning. Chill. Don't do it again. Fall back. Fall back. But, but this is J.R. Smith we're talking about. This is J.R. Smith we're talking about. He could not fall back. He couldn't fall back. And he didn't want to fall back. So guess what? Even after being warned by the league, J.R., you do it again, you're going to get fined. We'll give you a warning. We're giving you a pass. You do it again, you're going to get fined. So guess what J.R. Smith does? He fakes like he's going to do it again against Greg Monroe and the uh, Detroit Pistons. Then the league says, you know what, 50K fine. And then Mike Woodson sits him down for the whole game. Uh, a de facto suspension, if you will. Sent him down, sat him down for the whole game against the Miami Heat, a primetime game nonetheless, sat him down for that whole game. Mike Woodson and the Knicks made a statement. There were reports that there are reports out there now that the Knicks are looking into exploring possible trade options for J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith really hasn't played well this season. Last year he was a six-man-a-year award winner came off the bench averaging 18 points a game, and really, really did a great job last season for the Knicks and was one of the reasons that the Knicks were able to, to win 54 games last season, to, to get to the playoffs and win and have an opportunity in the playoffs. He was one of the reasons. His abilities last season to score the basketball was one of the reasons that the New York Knicks were able to go to the second round of the playoffs. J.R. Smith and his, his abilities and his point production, they were big. They were big. He was big. And reports are they may keep him on the bench. J.R. Smith may stay on the bench. He may stay on the bench for a period of time. Hopefully he'll learn his lesson. Hopefully he'll get it. Hopefully he'll get it. He's a talented player. I've always said for years, J.R. Smith is a very talented guy. There are not many players who can shoot the way he does and has the, the athleticism that he has. There are not many. J.R. Smith, to me, was an, is an ultra-talented player. And as I said last season, his 18 points a game coming off the bench and ultimately winning the six-man-of-the-year six award that was one of the reasons the Knicks got to the second round of the playoffs. 
this season. His struggles are one of the reasons the Knicks are not where they need to be at this point in time. Starting to play some good basketball now as they beat the Miami Heat in Miami, in New York, I should say, and then had some success on the Texas Triangle, beating San Antonio and beating Dallas and almost beat the Houston Rockets. They, there again, J.R. Smith, a guy getting a rebound, and that, he had an opportunity with about 22 seconds left. So the Knicks had an opportunity. They got an offensive rebound and run down the clock uh, against the Houston Rockets. And they got the ball back. They gave it to J.R. Smith, who was wide open, top of the key, for a three-pointer, and he missed it. He shot it with 20 seconds to go. The Rockets would get the ball. I believe Harden got fouled, um, shot two free throws, ultimately the Rockets would win that game. But And that was a tie ball game. It was a tie game. So you had an opportunity in a tie game with the final possession to, to run out the clock. It was a situation you had an opportunity to either win the game or go into overtime. But ultimately, they didn't do both. They didn't do neither of that. They didn't do any of that because J.R. Smith shot an uncontested three-pointer with 20 seconds to go. I will say this. You like your odds with J.R. Smith in that particular situation shooting an uncontested three-pointer. You like your odds. I will say that. But at the end of the day, it's one of those situations. It's one of those deals. If you miss it, you're going to get crucified. And that's what happened. He missed it. He got crucified. Last season was big time for J.R. Smith. I, I said it again. I'll say it, I, I said it before, and I'll say it again. Last season was big time for J.R. Smith. 18 points a game, which was a career high for him. A career high for J.R. Smith. But you had the whole situation, him tweeting out a girl, what, semi-naked girl on Twitter. I mean, just the list goes on and on. Um, he even There was a picture in the post the other day of him in a nightclub acting like he was going to uh, – untie somebody's shoes. I mean, last season, the whole situation with the, the, the Pacers and his shooting slump, you have Rihanna talking about one of the reasons he's playing bad is because he's spending a lot of time in the club getting you know, getting his dance on, getting his drink on, having a good old time. Um, you know, and, and you know, he's in New York City. He's young, decent-looking guy, tip-top shape, has a little money. Uh, you know, it's kind of understandable for him to be out in the clubs doing what he does, but at the same time, if that's hurting your craft, if that's, if that's not helping your situation as a basketball player, then as far as I'm concerned, you need to stop it, young or what have you. If it's affecting your performance on the court, you have to stop it. But J.R. Smith, he needs to get this right. Talented basketball player. But if I'm the Knicks, I, I like the approach they're taking. And, again, they did say there's a possibility that J.R. Smith could sit for a few more games. He could sit for possibly a few more games. But right now, J.R. Smith, hopefully the message has been sent. The message has been sent. The question is, will J.R. Smith receive the message? Will he receive the message? I mean, again, he's... You kind of... Even, even, you know... uh, I'm sure he's being playful in this whole situation, but with some of the things that are going on right now, it's probably not a good idea to to be in a club and you know show you you're, you're kind of mocking the whole situation and uh, whether the whole and at the end of the day the whole situation is really not that big of a deal 
But, but, sometimes you have to show that you care. Sometimes you have to show that you have received the message and that you're willing to change. Sometimes you have to show that. I mean, sometimes you, you, you have to show it. And he didn't do it. But could this be the situation now with, with, with Mike Woodson sitting J.R. Smith down? Could, be, could this be the thing that brings the Knicks together and, and, and ultimately pushes this team moving forward to, to get themselves back on track? The Knicks are playing better basketball. And they're getting themselves back on track right now. And if they can get themselves back on track, they can. I'm not saying they can beat Indiana or Miami, but they can give them a tough time. I think those teams would rather see the Knicks not make the playoffs than see the Knicks make the playoffs. I think they would be uh, – this is a team with the talent that they have. J.R. Smith is a guy who can go crazy in a ball game. You have Mello, who obviously can go crazy – in a ball game, you have Tyson Chandler, who can do a lot of the dirty work. Amon Shumpert is playing better basketball at this point in time. I mean, the Knicks have won four of their last five, and they've beaten some good teams, Mavericks, Spurs, and the Miami Heat, beating some good basketball teams, and almost beat the Houston Rockets. And they beat the Spurs and Mavericks on the road. So this is a team that you have to say is getting its back together, and Mike Woodson is getting his team Possibly ready to make that move, make a run. 13-22, and 22, they are in the Eastern Conference. And so with that being said, being in the Eastern Conference, you always have a shot to make the playoffs. And I think the Knicks, when it's all said and done, will make the playoffs. And judging by the way the Brooklyn Nets are playing right now, they'll probably be in the playoffs as well, as they're a hot football team, basketball team, I should say. Got football in the mind, division around the playoffs. So football is on the mind right now. But the Brooklyn Nets playing some better basketball as well. And the Brooklyn Nets went and beat the Miami Heat last night. So Brooklyn, at this point in time, are the seventh seed in the playoffs. So they're back. As bad as the season was for the Brooklyn Nets, and it was bad, they're back in the playoff hunt. They're in the playoffs. The playoffs were to end today. If you're the Indiana Pacers or the Miami Heat, with the talent that the Brooklyn Nets have, even without Brooke Lopez, Darren Williams when he comes back, Joe Johnson who stepped up his play for the Brooklyn Nets. Joe Johnson's been balling of late. If you can get him to continue to ball out. Cameron Garnett, and if he can pick up his play, which he has over the past few games. If these guys can start picking up their play now with the talent that they have on this roster, Hey, watch out for the Nets, and if I'm a, t- a top seed in the Eastern Conference, that's a team I don't want to see. I don't want to see that team if I don't have to. I mean, Joe Johnson in the last three games, and look at the teams they beat. I mean, they beat some good basketball teams, some good basketball teams, beating the Warriors, who were 7-0 and at that point on their road trip, beat the Miami Heat beat the Atlanta Hawks, who have been playing good of late, and beat OKC in OKC. So this is a team that's been playing some good basketball right now. And on a five-game win streak, Jason Kidd, at this point, seemingly may have turned this team around at this point in time. 
We'll see if it, be, if it will be enough moving forward. We'll see. Let me just give you, I wanted to give you my predictions before we got out of here um, with the NFL and with some of these two games going on in the divisional round. I want to start with today's games. Let's start with uh, Seattle and New Orleans. I said it before. I'll say it again. Uh, I don't think we need a drum roll here. I don't see any way that the New Orleans Saints can go into. Well, I do see some ways. I think the wind and the, the rain definitely makes this game interesting. I definitely think it does give the Saints an opportunity because I think the Seahawks are a better football team, and I think when any time you have elements in a particular situation, the team that who is not the better football team, it gives them an opportunity because anything is possible. Turnovers are the ultimate game changer in the National Football League. But anyway, I don't see it happening. I think Marshawn Lynch has a good game. I think Russell Wilson, who has been struggling of late, I think he plays better. I think Seattle's will force some turnovers. I think Drew Brees does throw a couple picks, and I think ultimately Seattle's going to cash in on those picks, and I think Seattle wins this football game. And I'm going to call this I'm going to say this game 27-10. Seattle wins this game in Seattle. Also, nightcapper, Indianapolis, New England Patriots. The Indianapolis Colts, they don't stop to run very well. And I look at the Patriots right now, and they're three-headed monster. Shane Vereen, Stephen Ridley, LeGarrette Blunt, and the way they've been playing over these final few weeks of the season, Tom Brady and what he does and has done throughout the course of the season with the comebacks and all the great plays he has made. Andrew Luck, this is a guy can't turn the football over the way he did against the New England Patriots. They have an opportunity, these Indianapolis Colts, and I like the way they're playing. I like, And this is a team that's been a giant killer throughout the course of this season going into San Francisco, beating San Francisco, beating Seattle, beating Denver Broncos, Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos, beating good football teams, going to Kansas City and beating the Chiefs, beating four good football teams throughout the course of this season, beat two of them in their building. So this is a tough football team. I'm not going to dismiss them. I'm not going to discount them. But they're not beating Peyton Manning. They're not beating, excuse me, Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. I like the New England Patriots to win this particular football game 31-21. Sunday's games, Panthers, San Francisco 49ers. It's a football game in Carolina. I love, obviously, I love that Carolina Panthers defense. But I love the way the Niners are playing right now. I like their flow. I like their energy. I like Kaepernick. I like how he's picked up his play over the final few weeks of the season. I like Michael Crabtree and what he brings to the table, having him back in there. Obviously, to go with him, Quan Bolden, the Frank Gore, and having Vernon Davis as well. Big-time tight end. It's Colin Kaepernick using his legs. The key is you can't get sacked six times in this game. And that was a very football game. The Carolina Panthers are a very physical team. But, again, it comes down to the quarterbacks, to me, and I trust Colin Kaepernick more than I trust Cam Newton in this spot at this particular time. Final game, Broncos and Chargers. Interesting football game. These two teams split the season series. As I said, the Broncos have outscored the Chargers by one point in the season series, and they split the season series. Pressure's on Peyton Manning to perform. I'm going with the upset here. I'm going with the San Diego Super Chargers to go into Mile High in Denver and get the victory. I like the Chargers in this game. 
And I said, Seattle, they play in the CenturyLink field, and that's a big-time advantage. So we'll see what's all said and done what happens. I just talked about Seattle because I think I said I think I uh, said that Seattle Stadium was in Vesco Field, not CenturyLink Field. But anyway, you can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgam where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForkGam. I want to thank Michael Thomas of the Dolphins for stopping by. I want to thank Hall of Famer Willie Rove for stopping by. Again, listen to this show and other shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pgam or follow us on Twitter at GoForkGam. For everybody here at GoFork, we hope you have a great week, great weekend. And we'll see you again here next week. See you later. Take care. Bye.